you ever heard of the golden rule? It's this idea that you should treat others how you want to be treated. And for a long time, that is a very, very valuable thing. Actually, for much of our lives, it's a very valuable thing. I think that's one of the first lessons in empathy that we start to take into society. It's this getting to know our own ego. How do we feel? What do we want to feel? And what are what are positive feelings versus negative feelings? What gets in the way? What makes us feel happy, uh, excited, etc.? And then treating others how you would like to be treated, which is perhaps with respect, uh, being honest, being direct, whatever those things are. Right? They may be different, or I mean, they will be different for everybody. And then there comes a time over a couple stages of development where we start to play with this idea of what is called the platinum rule, which is to treat others how they would like to be treated. I first heard this at a creative mornings session, which was something that um, is an organized thing around the country that are kind of like little TED Talks, but for people in the creative industry. And they're usually way too early in the morning. And uh, going to it was like subsidized by the company I worked for at the time. And so we'd go to that. And one person mentioned this platinum rule, treating others the way that they would like to be treated. And they made a compelling argument for it. And I think it was because I was ready for it. I was ready to hear it. And I think at some stage in your life, you will be ready to hear that. Maybe this is the first time you've heard it the idea of treating others the way they would like to be treated. And that really takes the idea of, of, I guess, what would first be sympathy, of making sure that you're treating others the way that you would like to be treated, and starting to convert that into empathy, of treating others the way that they would like to be treated. It's not the same as getting needs met in terms of the extroverted feeling, cognitive function sense of being responsive to people's needs, that's very different. That's still very external. But the idea of treating others the way that they would like to be treated is about starting to get to know other people's inner worlds a little bit and taking time to get to know them. And so if somebody else wants to be treated, you know, wants to have more direct communication, whereas maybe you're more diplomatic, let's say, you know, you're making the adjustment to meet someone in their territory, right? You're not 100% going to them, which is usually the sacrifice of ego that we need to make at certain earlier stages of development. But then now you're starting to bring yourself to someone else's self, meaning that you're bringing your version of what they would like to experience to the forefront, right? So it's not a sacrifice of self necessarily. You're bringing your version of how you would like to be treated into how they would like to be treated. So even if you're, if someone is preferring that you be direct with them, you're still going to bring your version of directness, but you're going to work on converting, you know, your, uh, uh, your sense of of uh, treatment to their sense of treatment, right? So getting to know, first of all, how you would like to treat 
how um, treating people how you would like to be treated, right? And then going into the platinum rule, treating others the way that they would like to be treated. And I'd like to introduce this idea of the diamond rule, which I suspect is something to the effect of treating others how they treat themselves. Because in the effort of getting to know how others would like to be treated, we are also getting to know the other aspects of our interior, right? So we're getting to know by by someone else asking of us to be more direct when we maybe normally aren't, we're getting to know that part of ourselves. We're getting to know that complexity of our inner experience. And you're now attuning that to someone else's preferred experience. And so when you go into the platinum rule, or uh, sorry, the diamond rule that I'm introducing here, it's starting to get to know the other states of someone's inner experience because you're getting to know your states of inner experience. And so you know that those other states are there in another person. And this does get into complex territory. This is not for every stage of development. But I want to give you, the listening, a sense that there are sort of more ways to start thinking about how to get to know someone. So this idea of treating others the way they treat themselves, first of all, on the surface, can sound really tricky. Because how do you know that how someone treats themselves? Uh, as I said, it's about, first of all, getting to know through the process of treating others the way they want to be treated, these other aspects of yourself in your interior experience, right? Really getting to know how you really feel and what you really want through sort of shifting and molding and being able to adjust to other people's needs. Uh, Not needs, but um, how they would like to be treated. And... So I'm going to cut to the chase. What I feel is the catalyst here is starting to get to know your own projections. And by starting to get to know your own projections and paradoxes of how you would really honestly internally like to be treated, then you can start to treat others the way that they would like to be treated. Like that's really the, what the process of the diamond rule is all about or the, the platinum rule is all about. This idea of treating others the way that they would like to be treated is really, you know, getting to know your internal experience, I will say again. So treating others how they treat themselves is really getting to know them beyond their ego. You're really starting to get to know them in terms of their essence, really getting to know others and yourself through what they're actually reflecting or projecting onto the world. One of the ways I think about this is that when you see the colors of flowers or leaves or anything like that, we might say like, oh, that's gorgeous, the changing of the colors. But really what's happening is that what you see is not what the thing is. You are seeing the light being reflected off of the object. Like it's giving off light it's basically show it's almost showing you what it's rejecting it's showing you what it 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 isn't on the inside um not in any conscious sense to avoid what's on the inside or anything like that but that what's being absorbed 
is really what the thing is. We don't see that. We have to sort of surmise what that is. Uh, with a leaf, for example, like surmise what its um, molecular structure and bonds are and things like that. Yes, we can see it through a microscope and all of that stuff if we really get into it. Um, but we can do that with humans too. <laughs> and and uh, But we don't want to deduce humans to just a collection of cells, right? Uh, the collection of cells are create a... a a whole that is greater than the sum of its parts. And in a way, when we look at a leaf, we're seeing the leaf as a whole of something that's greater than the sum of its parts. We're not just thinking, oh, that's a collection of leaf cells or whatever, right? I mean, maybe you are because you're being cheeky, but you know, that's, that's, uh, when we're thinking consciously, uh, about these things, we're not really looking at it that way. We're just saying like, oh, this beautiful, Leaf is this red color because the seasons are changing and it's reacting to its environment and the molecular structure is changing because it's dying and uh, it's giving off a different color, a different look. Just as when humans are dying, they get more pale and uh, start to lose their color, right? Um, the idea here being is that what we give off, what we project, what we present is not who we are. Who we are is a much more complex experience on the inside. And as we get to know that within ourselves, we can start to get to know that within others and treat others as that complex being. And so when someone is presenting the paradox of their projections and we get to know the paradox of our own projections, we can now start to reverse engineer the projection that someone's giving off to really get to know how they feel on the inside and what they how they see themselves because you know the enneagram is the biggest help for me in this and that the enneagram is the, it refers to personality as who we are not right who we really are is our essence you can call it soul spirit whatever i like the word essence because spirituality is kind of a complex topic these days uh, essence in terms of of, of, you know, the, the core of our being outside of what we've been programmed to experience outside of the way that our amygdala is reacting or our chemical receptors are reacting. Like, who are we on the inside? Who, When you're depressed or you're anxious, who is able to see that you're depressed or anxious? It's usually the person that's watching. And so when you get to know not only this watcher experience, but then get to know your projections and you're starting to get to know things like your Enneagram personality or uh, it doesn't have to be literally through those system, but sometimes it's connecting a whole bunch of nodes together, connecting spiral dynamics or integral theory or stages or um, maybe some stuff with Big Five, Myers-Briggs, etc. You can use those frameworks to piece a lot of things together to start to meet more people through experience, through having conversations, through um, through operating within your own core principles and values as well when you're interacting with them and bringing your best to situations, then you can start to get to know someone by almost seeing through their projections, not to call them out, 
That's not the idea. The idea is not to um, say that you're projected, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, my wife and I, the value that we have is that sometimes we, uh, we, we, we reflect to each other what we're reflecting. And sometimes when we're ready for it, having that trigger reflected to us is actually relieving. It's like, oh, somebody really sees what I'm actually saying. Somebody really sees what I'm trying to give off. Someone really sees what I'm trying to do here. And when you're at a stage of development, when you're prepared to have that projection called out, then great. Or, But like plenty of people aren't, and then they have all sorts of arguments because they're sort of um, triggering each other all the time. <laughs> And they're just fighting and like, you're always doing this and you're always doing this. Um, you know, so that's not something you can do at any stage necessarily. But um, the idea being is if you start to get to know not only your Enneagram type, for example, and then start to get to know what the other Enneagram types are, like really are, and the difference between, you know, the ego presentation and what's underneath the ego presentation then you can really authentically get to know and show love and care for how the person really treats themselves on the inside. For example, my my son, my my stepson Jake, he is um uh he's 7, he's an Enneagram 8. He's a lovely kid. And he's got that big Enneagram 8 energy when he's in personality. And when he's in personality, and when most people are in personality, I can recognize that they're probably either hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. It's the Alcoholics Anonymous acronym that usually people reach for a drink when they're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I think this applies to any addiction, and that includes the addiction of ego and personality. And uh, lonely can also include bored. Because bored just means that you're not enjoying your own company. And angry usually means some unexpressed emotion or feeling misunderstood or, or unheard, disrespected, you know, some, some blockage. And so I... I would like to map out at some point. I think the hungry, angry, lonely, and tired presents differently for each Enneagram type. Like I can split each Enneagram type into these four areas. And like when they're hungry, they present this way. Angry, they present this way. Lonely, they present this way. Tired, they present this way. I'm still trying to figure out that pattern a little bit. But, um, you know, with my, with my son, I believe he, you know, I, I'm kind of intuitively picking up on... It's kind of it's kind of like when a when a baby cries and they're like very slightly different types of crying. With experience, you get to know like oh this is a hungry cry, oh this is a frustrated cry, uh, this is a, a I need attention cry, right? And this is a hunger cry, uh, or this is a sleepy cry. You know, it's kind of getting to know the tunage of that. You know, tuning to that in a sense. And so when he displays varying types of of Enneagram 8 behavior, I'm starting to get to know that what somebody would normally see as a, you know, 
just like a projection of anger. Like you're just being a jerk or you're just being uh, mean or contrarian or whatever. That those are actually signals to something else. Signals to something else that perhaps on the inside they don't know how to, how to express. Now I'm expressing this about a seven-year-old, but plenty of adults don't know how to express and really know and be attuned to what their chemical happenings are, right? And uh, so getting to know and having experience with what these signals actually are and what they mean is sort of what I mean by this idea of treating people how they treat themselves. Um, and that could probably use some refinement in terms of that wording because it is a little confusing and I'm probably holding on to it because it sounds so snappy. Um, but when I think of it, it's it's basically that idea of of not just getting needs met, which is part of it. I mean, if you recognize that your child is hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you can put some effort into trying to get someone's needs met. But if it's someone that you don't have direct dependent care for, um, you know, you could introduce the idea of what they need or um, get out of their way <laughs> or, um, you know, again, tuning to what it is that, that you need and maybe you're reacting unfavorably to them because you need to step away and get your needs met. And I think getting needs met is is a is a core aspect in the sense of survival. You know, we're all operating based on um, the desire to live as long as we can, uh, to live a full life, to enjoy food, right? But we can't enjoy food if we're, like, starving. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll enjoy any food if we're starving. But, like, I mean, it's not about the decadence of experience. It's like the bar gets lower. Um, I didn't express that right. But uh, what I'm saying is that, like, um, yeah, ignore what I just said about, uh, enjoying food. Uh, I said it wrong, but, uh, <laughs> um, so treating others how they treat themselves is that my baby boy is, you know, he feels he's, he's projecting strength because he feels small and he's literally small. He's a tiny dude right now. And I feel for him with that. It's a greater empathy of like kind of feeling what he's feeling on the inside. And and Ramdas presents this idea of at some point in spiritual development, you're getting to a place where you're able to look into someone's eyes and almost say like, how did you get into that one? You know, you're treating someone on the inside, how you treat yourself on the inside at some point. Like when you can find a sense of peace and care and taking care of your needs and meeting the acronym of HALT, Hungry, Angry, Lonely, and Tired, then you can start to have greater empathy for how someone is treating themselves on the inside and um, and and how they're maybe frustrated by feeling small or frustrated by not feeling seen or frustrated by not feeling like a good person or frustrated by... Um, you know, feeling, uh, uh, like all the world's this, the universe is this great mystery that I can't grasp and the scariness of that. Right. Um, you know, with the Enneagram, there's the three centers of intelligence. There's body types, heart types, and head types. The core emotion of the body type is anger. Core emotion of the 
the heart types is um, uh, grief or sadness. And then you've got the head types are typically about fear. And I think if you can at least start there and you can recognize, you know, what someone is ultimately giving off more of the time, then it's, again, not about stopping them from doing that in terms of an external way. But if you can get to know what that really means for them on the inside and the paradox of what it is they're actually trying to say, because uh, on the inside, sometimes we feel trapped, you know, we're like in this little glass case in our brain and we're just like, nobody really is in here with me, right? There's these inklings of realizing that we're playing a one player game and it's just like, oh no, nobody really understands me or nobody's really with me. But if you can give someone this sense of, like, I really understand what's going on in there um, and really feeling for it, then, like, that's that's a game changer. That's a different type of empathy. And I think that's next level empathy. So, I mean, while this is an attempt for me to try to explain this idea of the diamond rule, I think it's ultimately about getting to know, for you listening, that that these are developmental stages of empathy in a sense. There's the golden rule of treating people how you would like to be treated, which I think is a really great starting place because as kids, we just worry about ourselves, right? Like we worry about our first person perspective and then we start to get to know friends and trading things with friends and they have stuff and I have stuff and, and um, we're trying to just acquire things. But at some point, it's now you're entering society at a scale outside of your family. You're starting to work at a job and you have to treat people a different way. You can't just treat them like your family, uh, who is often probably either being too harsh or too easy on you because they love you and they care about you and they, you know, you're connected to their genetic, uh, line and they have, uh, different stakes, but, when you're going to go out into the world, like no one's going to care about you as much as your family might or might not. Like they might not treat you the same way is what I'm saying. And so ultimately you need to convey to others how you would like to be treated um, and treat others. Well, okay, what I'm saying is like at first it's like you're conveying to others how you would like to be treated right? Like, don't be a jerk to me. Like you're setting boundaries, but then you're starting to treat others like you would like to be treated. If it is this case where you're saying like, I have boundaries, I have needs, I have, I want to be spoken to directly, blah, 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 blah. Then you also need to convey that to others. You need to walk the talk in a sense and treat people with the same kind of respect and honesty and courtesy and all those things that you would like to be given. Uh, and then over time, it's that switch into the uh, platinum rule of treating others how they want to be treated and really starting to get to know other people's experiences. And, you know, that means external things like not trying to see through their projections or trying to react to their projections, but accommodating some of them, you know, sensitivities, getting to know, um, uh, when someone wants you to stop trying to fix their emotions and just listen, uh, when someone wants a hug because they're asking for it, uh, despite how you feel, 
you know, um, holding space for people uh, and really trying to be more patient with uh, other people's uh, experiences. And then, you know, eventually getting into the diamond rule, which there may be more nuance here of treating people how they treat themselves, but it's really the idea of getting to know through, through the process of getting to know your projections, you're also starting to see other people's projections. And, you know, it's, it's almost like another version of, of treating others, how you would treat yourself, but in a, um, not in an external way. It's really just like deeper empathy for like reverse engineering what it is that they're trying to give off and what they're really trying to say and not only having patience for it in the in the platinum rule sense, uh, but going beyond what they're asking for and seeing beyond what they're consciously asking for and, um, you know, really seeing the essence within them, which is hard to define and convey, but that's kind of the idea here. So... Let me know if that made any sense. I mean, I've been trying to, I tried to record a podcast on this before and it is a tricky game because if you're at an earlier stage of development and you're trying to rush into treating others how they treat themselves, then you might see someone who's like, you're a toxic person and you treat yourself like shit and you don't eat well and you're blah, 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 blah. And you say, you're like, oh, so I should treat them like that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Uh, I'm not suggesting that. Um, necessarily, but there are times when triggering someone or reflecting who they are to themselves, not telling them necessarily, but showing them like literally a mirror is like a conveyance of, of, uh, of, of, of who we are that, um, you know, that, that sometimes if, um, no, I'm going to abandon that thought. Uh, it's it's complicated, right? I haven't fully worked this out yet, so this is an in-process thought. If, but I'm I'm hoping some aspect of this makes sense. I feel like there's still another layer that I'm not quite. I haven't peeled yet of the onion of how to properly convey it, but I wouldn't say necessarily to go around uh, triggering people on purpose or like being a jerk to people because you think that they're being a jerk to themselves. Like if you can't see like the essence of what it is that they're really trying to say, then don't pretend to is what I'm ultimately saying. You're, you're not there yet. And that's okay to accept that. This is not there. There are growth hierarchies. There is a difference developmentally because between the ways that people can see and perceive and do things, but it's not, you're not inferior for not being there yet. So I want to convey that first of all. And then second of all, it's important to, in most of these vertical development systems, to transcend and include, right? So it's almost like the emergent of the golden rule and the platinum rule. The golden rule, again, of treating others like you'd like to be treated and then treating others like they like to be treated, uh, combining both of those then translates into treating someone how they would, how they treat themselves, which is like, we all treat ourselves with some degree of preciousness at the end of the day, when we get further back into our watcher self, 
because like when you really get to the core essence of who we are, like we all want to live, we all want to survive. Even every single person who's tried to jump off a bridge and survived has regretted it. I don't know if it's every single person, but it's a high percentage from what I've seen statistically. And once we can get into that core survival drive of who we really are and what we really want and how we want to experience life, then really get to know the true beauty of, of, of who we are on the inside and who others really are on the inside as well. So I don't know. I keep trying to explain it because I feel like I'm not really doing it justice, but um, I don't know. I'm just going to throw this out there and see how it goes. So I appreciate you for listening to this podcast that is way longer than I intended and um, for being uh, a listener and all of that fun stuff. Uh, like, subscribe, share with a friend if you'd like. And um, happychemicals.org is the website for some courses for the INTPs. And I'm also working on reinstating my um, – I had created a chatbot, which was like a personality test chatbot. I'm going to refine it so you can go check on the website. Um, there's like a little speech bubble in the bottom right corner and you click personality test and you can take that. It's like a 10 to 15 minute experience. I'd love to get some of your feedback on uh, what that experience is like. Um, but I'm trying to properly connect it to like all the business nodes and stuff too. So it'll start to mold and shift and change a little bit. So feel free to you know, check it out if you'd like to, to break my stuff. <laughs> uh, so thanks for listening. Leave a comment if you're listening on YouTube or you can, uh, yeah, just leave a comment. That's totally great. Like subscribe, etc. So I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to happy chemicals and I'll catch you next time. See ya.